Hello everyone, I'm Ismail Pai Civico and I wish you a very warm welcome to a new episode of the Civic Podcast on this very gloomy Sunday day in Brussels. Uh, nothing new, but well, we get used to it. So again, I apologize in the video for the lighting. I had to do a weird setup with the um, with like a, a desk lamp on top of my uh, wardrobe and well, um, not easy to be honest and especially with such a bad quality camera. But in any case, um, I want to speak about a bit about meritocracy and what are the factors in someone's success in life. And that was just my dog yawning, so don't mind that. Um, because, well, I spoke a bit about privilege in the last episode, and I think I would like to dig in this in a bit more into that, um, because it also speaks about, let's say, privilege and what someone's hard work can actually mean and how much of that actually contributes to someone's success. So what's the amount of hard work you need to put in for you to be successful in life in whatever field you may get to? And this comes back to the to meritocracy, with, which it does have actually a dark side to it. And I've been thinking about this quite a lot, especially well, the other day really made me um, clear out my thoughts on this topic because I heard the podcast of Sam Harris and he was with a uh, with a Harvard uh, professor and he teaches uh, ethics and justice and he speaks a lot about about this about the dark side of meritocracy and how the state can actually um what what would be the perfect meritocracy what would be the bad aspects of that perfect meritocracy we would like to to get to and what could be some let's say interesting measures that can actually allow everyone this equality of opportunity and everything that comes in into also higher education and all of that because we're tending to believe that higher education is the answer that's the way we go into that we're trying to create as many possibilities as possible in higher education for young people specifically because that basically means that well that's the idea that higher education will get you to a successful point in life um which i don't necessarily think that's the case uh and that's why i, I have a, a big issue with trying to motivate or the answer today is that the only way for you to be successful is to have a university degree right uh, and that's basically and only about two-thirds or two-thirds of uh, European and American population uh, do not have a university degree so that means basically that two-thirds aren't being successful in lives in their life um, I think that's pretty that that's pretty much the question that we should ask ourselves and everything that goes around privilege because the privilege is basically like the innate advantages that you get from birth right that's mainly um you can give a, a short definition of privilege and what role does that play in someone's success right uh i gave actually the example last time of um of a basketball player that basically his genes allowed him to be two meters tall more or less uh, and again, my door, my, my dog yawning, so I really apologize. And actually, I wanted to keep these episodes now maybe to around 30 minutes time mark, because uh, actually they'll make them a bit shorter and uh, me not um, going on a rantage. Rantage, I actually thought about that this morning, uh, probably a new word. <laughs> I probably just invented it. That is going on a on a rampaging rant, basically, to just speak about everything and nothing at the same time. And maybe it would be better to just I'll try to be more concise and more precise in in the way I explain things, right? And uh, also try not to stutter as much because I actually did realize that in the previous podcast I stuttered quite a bit. And I think that 
one of the reasons is mainly because there there are so many things to factor in when you try and articulate your thoughts in a way because they're not easy topics. So when someone stutters, basically that they don't really know what word they're going to use next. Um, and that was probably one of my problems. And it still is, to be honest, I'm still going to stutter. I'm still going to go like, um, or, um, I'm not really going to bother too much about it because then again, um, I really want it to be like a process of, of thinking and of brainstorming all throughout, but I'm just going to give like my ideas a bit of uh, the problems with meritocracy. What could be the positive sides of meritocracy also, and how we can achieve that, uh, that utopistic, uh, let's say equality of opportunity. Right. Um, and I also spoke about the utopia, like the communist utopia and the fascist utopia before. And I really want that, that there's a clear line to draw between different kinds of utopias or utopias in which you can strive to go to and utopias in which you can't really achieve um, mainly because the utopias on which you do not factor in the freedom of choice the the only way of actually achieving that utopia is through force um, and that's basically the a big difference with the utopia that you want to arrive to where everyone has that same equality and freedom of choice right which you don't really lay out you don't really predetermine let's say the path that you must take but you do give the necessary tools to everyone to actually take their own paths which you don't really know what the outcome is going to be right and that's a big issue with already having a a predisposed outcome or an outcome that you must arrive to for you to have that realistic oh or that utopia realistically implemented. And that's a big difference between different kinds of utopia that you of, of utopias that you can actually strive for. Um, just to give a little bit of context into that, because then again, people can say, oh yeah, but you, you said that utopias are bad um, because uh, the communist utopia, it, it, it was bad, it, was, it, it couldn't be implemented. And now you're speaking about equality of opportunity utopia. And, and I'll speak about why that's an utopia just in a second, because that also that's interlinked with, with meritocracy and with... Um, success and uh, with the hierarchical structures let's say uh, in all societal and economic structures basically because uh, there is still a hierarchy and inequality is a factor that we need to consider also and how do we make sure that the bottom layers of those structures and hierarchies the people the individuals in those bottom layers do not get depossessed because that's something also when it comes into solidarity of the west that we've really been trying to make the lives of as many people as possible the best as we can right um give that opportunity to everyone to actually thrive in life and be happy and do what they want to do yeah so i want to speak about this because i was hearing a podcast of sam harris and if you don't know sam harris he's um well he's um he, he he's an amazing person uh, he really does have this way of thinking that is really, really interesting. He's he's a neuroscientist and he does a lot of uh, of a um, of interviews and podcasts speaking about well neuroscience, but also a lot of identity politics and ethics and philosophy. And he also has quite a lot of debates also with people like uh, Jordan Peterson, Douglas Murray, and these kind of people, which are basically the people that really wanted well motivated me to start a podcast, right? Um, because well conversations need to be had and I think all three of them even though on the political spectrum they're completely opposed like they may have some similarities in what you're thinking specifically because they're all against identity politics like I am which I wasn't I at the beginning a few years ago I was actually for identity politics and, and quite a bit 
but then I really started to do my, my research and started to think a bit more about what everything, what constitutes identity politics and what the issues in it were, right? And then that's also what everything that basically I've been explaining all throughout the episodes and the problems with identity politics. Nevertheless, let's go into meritocracy and actually uh, the dark side of meritocracy. This was something actually that, um, that the professor, a Harvard professor that teaches ethics and justice and um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what, what class he taught, but well, he's written a, a few books and he, the wrote, book he wrote, it was about uh, meritocracy specifically. And he spoke about this in a, in a podcast with Sam Harris. So I really do, uh, well, go check out Sam Harris. You'll find him if you just Google him. And he's a very, very interesting uh, person to listen to and, well, very, very intelligent man. Um, so Western society is basically predicated on the idea that everyone can thrive in life. That That's basically the what was the American dream, right, in the 20th century, that you go to the United States. And also now we're speaking about the European dream and um, the supposed dream that everyone can thrive in Europe in one way or another. Uh, also what pushed to, to large masses of, of, of immigration into Europe, uh, being like the new America and the new European dream and the new um, American dream, quote-unquote. Um, and why? Because there's ideally there's this equality opportunity that everyone can thrive in life if they put in their self-determination and the motivation and the hard work for them to be successful. Which in a way is true, but there's also bad sides to that because I actually gave this example in the last episode talking about privilege when there are some sorts of, like the innate privilege that you get, especially through basketball plays, and I gave that I, uh, that example. Excuse me. And it's funny because I gave that example and then just the day after when I heard... Um, that podcast, this Harvard professor actually also gave an example of a basketball player, which is LeBron James, and that's pretty much the same thing that I was saying before. So the the analogy that he made was, to what point is LeBron James' success his own doing, right? Uh, and then there are different factors and contingencies to take into account because, so LeBron James is, we can all agree, one of the best basketball players now and probably in history, he'll probably make the top 10, of course. So he's a really good basketball player. Now, what were the odds, right? That first of all, he got all these factors lined up at the best time and space that could possibly, that that person could possibly have to, to thrive in his field, which is basketball. Um, now, of course, there's a fair amount of hard work in there because, well, he needs to train for that. He needs to keep uh, the physique for it. He needs to improve his shoots, uh, his shots, well, his hoops, if you will, um, and all of the technicalities that go into actually learning how to play basketball. But there is also this, the thing where he's, he has the right genes. He's a, he's a very tall person. Uh, he has the right body structure, the right amount of uh, muscle mass, uh, a good bone structure, he's healthy, right? So all of these factors to take into account, which it wasn't really his own doing, okay, maybe health can be, uh, well, it can be his doing because he he, eats, uh, he has a specific diet and uh, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink, well, I don't think so anyway. We've actually seen a few football players that smoke and that's actually interesting also. Mm, well, for what point should you keep your health? But anyway, that's a, that's a different topic. What, what, what I was getting at, um, so all these sorts of things that really he had no choice over, right? And then there's this fair amount of hard work which did make him actually go to this, to this high basketball level. 
uh, or, or this high level in basketball because he can actually, well, he can entertain people. He has he, he plays really well, and the matches are interesting to watch because of his high level of uh, of competence in in that field. But then, what were the odds that? Also, LeBron James was born at a time and a place where basketball is actually a pretty big sport and something that interests people quite a lot and has a lot of viewers, so it will generate more money and through the, let's say, liberal economic system that can actually allow him to capitalise on that, right? Because then he could have been born during the Renaissance and that's basically what this uh, Harvard professor was saying. And I really do apologize, I do not remember his name, but I will give the credits to Sam Harris's podcast and then you can go and look on that podcast uh, and listen to actually what what he said because it's pretty much what I said in the previous episode. Um, well, more or less, not so much into depth, of course. Uh, he's a professor and I'm just a guy speaking in my room, uh, which is, uh, well, <laughs> different things uh, should be actually be accounted for. In any case, so he said that. So he could have been born during the Renaissance, right? And basketball at that time nobody cared about basketball uh, basically and maybe he had no artistic um well i was going to say privilege but talent let's say right so he wouldn't have been successful in that time and age so all of these factors and contingencies actually did line up perfectly for that person to be able to be successful and of course you need to capitalize on those privileges that he had in order to be successful right because you need to help because you need to basically enforce that with your hard work and determination, which is something we're not really debating. That's that's a fact. You always need to give some hard work. But then there's a problem, that, and, and, and here comes the dark side of meritocracy, is that in the end, not everyone's going to have the same innate privileges, right? You can have some things that define you, something, and, and that actually gives you an advantage over other people, something that can give you disadvantages over other people. And the problem with that is that Imagine you're a person and then weren't able to get to those higher higher levels in those economic and societal structures, right? And in a perfect meritocracy, that would just basically mean that the best get to the top and so the winners get to the top in those in those structures and, and in those hierarchies, in those in very specific fears in the uh, well in the economy and in society, and the losers basically stay under right and they stay on on the lower levels and that's basically more like the dark side of of that meritocratic system or that perfect meritocracy you really want to get to because in the end those people it's 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 bad already to think that you're a loser because you didn't you didn't do well enough or you do you didn't work hard enough even though where the backbone of the economy actually is the workers right and also the people that earn less money uh, which is which is actually funny. We should also see what do we value more, right? Do we value more a basketball player or a football player? Do we value more the person that keeps our water running in our houses or the person that allows us to have electricity um, or the person that brings food onto our tables? Those primary needs that a human needs actually to live. We do not need basketball to live. And they also spoke about a bit J.K. Rowling. So imagine J.K. Rowling, right? Basically... Uh, in a liberal capitalistic system, the the amount, the value you bring to society in one way or another will actually be monetized and capitalized and basically in your pocket. So the more value you create, the more money you're going to receive. That's basically the idea. Um, and then on that, you can reinvest. Well, that that's basically the idea of it. So 
J.K. Rowling, well, of course, after the uh, after the Harry Potter books, she probably, well, she's become one of the richest writers ever in all throughout time, right? And I think, um, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe she's like the richest person in the UK, I don't know, but I mean, she's loaded, right? She's completely loaded just by writing Harry Potter books. And of course, she also has some other books, but I think we all know her through Harry Potter. Um, so we need to think, has that person contributed X times more to society, right? Than let's say a bricklayer, or or a or a cook, or or a farmer, and that's something where we there's really need to be this public discussion on what do we value most in life? What's the thing that we value? Do we value, um, let's say, fiction per se? I mean, that's completely legitimate. I really do think that fiction and drama and arts are extremely important, and they're more like a necessity because that when you get into that world it's like the time that each person has to disconnect a bit from reality i do not think of how miserable their lives are because life is not really easy actually and nobody actually has an easy life again my dog yawning um yeah he's tired just like i am uh, on a very very bad sunday but in any case so do, do we need to think of has jk rowling brought to society x times more so x being the the number of how many times more exponentially she makes compared to a bricklayer right to a bricklayer for example let's take that example uh well, it can be and it can be anything else it can be a baker it can be uh it can be a lawyer it can be whatever you can take any um any example you would like and then also okay so the kardashians right that's also something um really interesting because they're making tons of money and we don't really know what the actual contribution to society is then of course they do foundations and stuff like that but we need to think about that how how do they actually contribute to society in that way um now that's a difficult question um is it moral that these people make that much money right uh do we does the actually does the public need to change a bit uh, the value system and what they what they value more and what they want to give more what well, more attention to because basically that these entertainers are basically what they're selling they are selling attention and they're capitalizing on the attention on the attention of the individual so on my attention when I watch a football match or a basketball match or when I read a book because you need to buy the book or you get it uh, through ebooks or this whole way of of, of capitalizing on one's attention. And we can live without so much attention, let's say, or fiction, but we can't really live without the primary needs. And that's also the big issue when it came to the whole communist and socialist movements, because they did have a point in some sense, like these are the, and it's true, these are the actual backbone of society, the the, 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 the workers, and not the bourgeoisie that really does not move a thumb um, throughout their, their, their working day which I don't really think that's exactly true. Uh, anyone in actually in decision-making positions, excuse me for that, that was my phone, uh, in decision-making positions, most of them actually do work 60, 60 hours a week. Uh, they never see the families, they're always out working, meetings, and they have X number of workers on their backs because they really need to make sure that every one of them is taken care of, um, is cared for, right? So it's not easy and we always... We always need to look at the different aspects of actually what 
the people at the high levels of society actually bring to society, which there is some input from there, but also look on the moral side and is it moral that these people are making X times more? Or that is it moral that these people have the amount of the, well, X percentage of of the global um, of global wealth, right? Which is a very small percentage. A very small percentage of people actually do capitalize on most of the money or most of uh, money in the world, right? So that's a moral question to get there, and uh, and actually it doesn't need to become uh, well, it doesn't need to come into public discussion. And how can we make sure that the people at the lower levels of that society, of those societal structures and economic structures, do not become depossessed and do not develop this fear of, of, of humiliation, right, of, uh, of self-humiliation, which is, which is a very difficult question to answer because in imperfect meritocracy, not everyone's going to get the same in its privileges, basically what I just explained, depending on your field of expertise. But what I do believe is that everyone does have something they can bring to the table, that everyone has this little spark in them that they can actually capitalise on that to be successful, which again is a double-edged sword because then to what point does actually your hard work and motivation do or... To, to, to what point is it important for you to be successful in life, right? And it's not always self-evident to actually answer that question. That's why it is very difficult when we speak about meritocracy. Because not everyone is actually, will be able to get to these high levels. Because if you don't have a value structure, then you do not know what to value. And then you do not know who... For example, in, a, in, in elite uh, universities, right? If you don't get the best students, you won't... They will no longer be elite, right? Those universities. And if you do not give them the extra resources or you do not teach them the extra competences, they will no longer be elite. So it's a bit like a vicious cycle where you get the best and then become even more the best and then they keep basically going on a roller coaster of success in life, which is basically can happen in the on the other well, on the other side, because then when you hit rock bottom in in your personal lives, in your professional lives, um well in education or whatever, it is very easy to go even deeper. And that's the how right there. That's that's actual how where people really lost the meaning of life and lost the motivation to do anything. Why? Because they've become into this sort of of depressing way of thinking of where if I haven't been successful, it's my own fault. Uh which is the dark side of meritocracy. Uh, but then again it actually that other people were actually at the bottom of uh, of the of these structures that will take a completely different way of uh, of translating that feeling, and that is, if I am not successful, it's someone else's fault. And we need to have a really right, a really good balance between these two ways of thinking because it's not easy to answer that question. Um, because what we can see now that a lot of things is that if I'm not successful in life it's because of that specific group of people or because of that person, um, which is a danger. Because it might not be true either. You might be, you, you might be someone that uh, doesn't really work hard, doesn't really care about anything, uh, partying the whole time, not studying, not doing your, your chores, let's say, and not really having your life in, um, well, in in a well-structured manner and you haven't really been bringing anything to society, you're not really 
bringing any value to society or, the, or to, excuse me or to the people around you and then of course you're going to find one culprit because then uh, because then this uh, tyrannical corrupt uh, heteropatriarchal society again has hasn't allowed you to, to to thrive in life right and that's a double edged sword right there another side where what kind of of a um, of way of thinking you you must develop if you haven't actually achieved this higher levels in society is it the fault of someone else or is it your own fault right and then of course if you think it's your own fault is it's, it's a lot worse because it's very difficult to go into introspection and tell yourself i'm not successful because of my own errors and my own faults and because i haven't been committed enough i haven't i haven't been motivated enough i haven't brought in enough enough hard work in order to, for me to be successful right but then again you can work as hard or even twice as hard as lemron james and want to become a basketball a professional basketball player but if you one meter 80 you will not be able to become a basketball player that's just life right that's just life and that's the big issue right there um and now we need to look into for example something that i defend a lot is a a gradual tax-based system so the more you earn the more you contribute to society basically and and, and that's a very good way to to bring let's say and to and to the um well to redistribute uh, the overall wealth, right? But that's not the same thing that everyone gets to have the same level of life. Because uh, let's say, okay, if if two people, right, one works 60 hours a week and the other one and the other one works 20, and in the end, they end up with 2,000 euros net a month, why would that person that is working 60 hours a week, which, which we do need the, those people to keep the, the economy going, and, well, like I said, they are in every company that brings you energy in every company that brings you water there's always one manager that has to manage everything so what would make that person want to work three times more than the other one if they're not getting anything in return so there's something you sacrifice you always need to sacrifice something to get something in return and that's a problem also with the socialist and communist idea where it basically means that everyone should have the same level of life regardless of of how, how much amount of work they put in or the same thing as if a person has spent 10 years studying in medicine for example and then again, they're going to earn, uh, well, th th this is a very dodgy topic because, of course, I'm not trying to diminish anyone else's work, right? But just need to consider the amount of work that has been put in by some people in into some, well, aspects in society, right? It's not easy to build a, a rocket um, a, or, or a spaceship. It's not easy to build those things. It's a lot of years of studying and understanding uh, well engineering the tools physics absolutely everything to actually be able to uh, to bring the technological advancements that we need to society so you need some sort of incentive right um so based a gradual tax-based system can be that but which would not mean that that basically you need to pay as much in proportion as how much x times more you earn that the person in the lower level of society I think I explained that right, uh, I think. So there is a conversation to be had on how we can make the people that haven't been able to get to these higher levels um, have a, a decent life, right? With a minimum of human dignity that they're able to go on holidays and have a, few, a couple weeks with their families a year at least or maybe every six months. Um, 
And actually, we also need to start thinking of what our value system is based on and what do we value more in society. Oh, excuse me. Um, so that's actually a very, well, uh, we should not forget that the actual backbone of society are the workers behind everything that brings us the primary, our primary needs that are being covered. That's basically the, the dark side of meritocracy. Um, I will dig in, of course, this topic a bit. Well, I'll dig into it a bit more in future episodes, but I wanted to keep this this episode short, around 30 minutes, and brainstorm a bit about uh, these ideas, and then maybe keep, um, well, have like a, uh, a continuum, let's say, in my podcast and my episodes and uh, not ma not make them too much about me uh what did i say before rantaging right like rampaging rant i guess okay right uh, i'm just getting lost in my thoughts right now but yeah i really want to keep them short and uh speak a bit about meritocracy because then of course my previous podcast you can think oh um this guy defends completely the free market uh and does not really care about the workers no that's not completely true i've, I've been a worker uh, a bit myself and i know well pe people need some some sort of protection in order for them not to find themselves in corrupt structures or in or in, or in tyrannical structures right that protection is needed and that's why the left is is very much necessary and that's something that i said in the last episode that the left is as much as necessary as the right uh they're both equally necessary and then how how you balance that out that then just depends on the context on the space and the time uh, of each society and of each country and also the the historical context what are the needs specifically in that same society uh, and then of course the free market is never actually free you always need to have this 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 control by an upper body right which generally is the government that can control the market in one way or another because if not it can be it can become corrupt and tyrannical and uh, people actually tend to misunderstand the free market as being a an anarchist free market, basically with no open structures controlling that, and basically in a democracy where you want your elected representatives to actually do keep in check that market and do not make the people on the lower levels of that hierarchy to be the possessed or to lose their rights or um, to be dictated by tyrannical and corrupted structures or people uh, in those upper spheres, and that's a bit the paradox with meritocracy, which. It pretty is an utopia of equality of opportunity, um, and it's not the same as the utopia of equality of outcome, of course. But then again, it's a conversation to be had. We do need to have all of this in mind when we speak about the economy and society um, and all of that. Well, I really do thank you for listening to this very short episode or shorter episode than usual, and I'll probably keep them to 30 minutes episode, maybe upload three a week. Uh, I haven't really figured this out yet to be honest so i apologize for that uh but in any case uh well subscribe if you like the the content follow and then you can have direct access or you can have direct notifications to when i upload the uh, next episode which will probably be either tuesday or wednesday next week so in the two three days so well um stay tuned and i wish you all a very nice sunday evening have a nice day everyone this was Ismail Pai civico and this was this Again, I always get mixed up with how to say that. Okay, so I'm Ismail Pai Civico, and this was the Civic Podcast. Thank you very much for listening.